Coming up on Stu Does America, Blaze TV's Jason Buttrell gives us the scary connections between Marxism and critical race theory. Uh, an ingredient shortage threatens the very core of my existence. And some light sparring between two political figures is exposing the dark truth behind gain-of-function research. I have the details for you as we do. Tony Fauci versus Rand Paul. Stu Does America. I have to tell you, I've never been a huge fan of the congressional testimony, Senate testimony setting. I, I don't feel like we get all that much out of it. A lot of times you have basically the congressperson just sitting there making a speech uh, and whoever is there to testify really doesn't have any time to talk at all. And usually when it's someone who I think is hiding some information, I want them to talk. Like, I don't necessarily need the senator or the congressperson to do the blabbing. I want that, that witness to be able to answer the questions because I want them to reveal something. I want them to give us some sort of bit of information. Maybe, I don't know, have this crazy moment where they decide to tell the truth. A little exception here, I think, though, for this Anthony Fauci, Rand Paul back and forth. Now, these guys despise each other. I mean, it's, it's blatantly clear they hate each other. But the problem with Fauci is that no one ever asks him a tough question. People say a lot of things about him, some of them fair, some of them not fair, but he never really gets a face-to-face -face interaction with someone who is uh, trying to hold him to account. There's a lot of, occasionally you'll see a journalist who will ask Fauci a question that is like echoes a, a complaint about him you know like people are saying that you blah 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 but there's never any force behind it you never had any quotes you never have information it's sort of this basic like people are certainly mean to you dr fauci what do you feel about that it's that type of approach it doesn't really get us anywhere Rand paul has been one of the only people who have been able because uh, there's a lot of people who want to hold uh, anthony fauci to account for some of these things but Rand paul has been the only one who's been successful to get in front of him and actually ask him some of these questions i want to give you a clip from the testimony the other day and this has been one that's been kind of making the rounds a little bit and i kind of want to go through and really dissect what they're saying here and what the evidence is behind it it revolves around gain of function research to shorthand it basically gate of function research is you take you take a virus uh, that's not necessarily harmful to humans it isn't really transmissible to humans and you play with it a little bit in the lab and try to make it worse try to make it you know, more uh, dangerous for human beings with the theoretical uh, idea to say okay now we can see how it can transmit to humans and we can prepare, let's say, a vaccine or a treatment to stop it. We know eventually something's going to break naturally from animals to humans. It happens relatively uh, regularly. We've seen it a couple of times with SARS and MERS uh, in, in the recent past. So let's get ahead of it. That's the idea behind it. Uh, let me give you, a, with that background, here's the exchange. Senator Paul, I have never lied before the Congress, and I do not retract that statement. This paper that you are referring to was judged by qualified staff up and down the chain as not being gain of function. So what was, let me take, finish. You take an animal virus and you increase its transmissibility to humans, right. you're saying that's not gain of function? Yeah, that is correct. And, and Senator Paul, you do not know what you are talking about, quite frankly. And I want to say that officially. Officially. You do not know what you are talking about. 
Let's okay, you get NIH. one person. Let's read from the NIH definition of gain of question? function. This is your definition that you guys wrote. It says that scientific research that increases the transmissibility among mammals is gain of function. They took animal viruses that only occur in animals and they increase their transmissibility to humans. How you can say that is not gain of function. It is not. It's a dance and you're dancing around this because you're trying to obscure responsibility for four million people dying around the world okay. from a pandemic. Wow. I mean, again, these guys hate each other. So let's go through uh, some of the disputes here. We've got a few of them. Dispute number one. Basically, Rand Paul is saying, uh, you guys funded this gain-of-function research. Fauci responding, saying, no, we didn't. So what's the truth here? Well, you know, there's a point where Rand Paul, or uh, Dr. Fauci holds up a paper um, where that Rand Paul is pointing out and saying, this is proof that it's gain-of-function. Well, the paper itself actually calls it gain-of-function. Um, for example, here's the scientist in question saying he's been doing gain-of-function research. When you make chimeric viruses that encode these spike glycoproteins as part of the virus particle, notice that the SHCO14 strain can now replicate efficiently in cells expressing the human ACE2 receptor. Uh, these data clearly indicate um, that pseudotypes and structure-guided predictions, in which this case, SHCO14 contains no conserved residues at the interface with any other known strain, would have actually predicted the potential threat. It was actually a chimeric gain-of-function virus that did. Okay. I mean, he's talking about it right there. Fauci is playing semantics a little bit here. There's basically a dispute about what qualifies as banned gain-of-function research. And honestly, it's a pathetic line that he's trying to exploit here. Um, let me give you some of the background on it here. Um, in 2014, the U.S. government put a pause on new funding of gain-of-function research, which it defined this way, and this is really, really important. With an ultimate goal of a better understanding of disease pathways, gain-of-function studies aim to increase the ability of infectious agents to cause disease by enhancing its pathogenicity. I knew I was going to screw that word up, that word, uh, or by increasing its transmissibility. Now, there's a couple sides to this, and they're important to know. Let me give you side number one, and this is the one that Rand Paul's basically going with. And I think when you talk about, when you talk about the basic understanding uh, of scientists generally, uh, and certainly of the American public as a whole, this is very representative of what uh, most people think. Richard uh, Ebright, he's a uh, professor of chemistry and chemical biology at Rutgers University and a critic of gain-of-function research, told the Washington Post that the EcoHealth Wuhan lab research was, quote, unequivocally gain-of-function research. He said it, quote, made, met the definition for gain-of-function research of concern under the 2014 pause. So for a second, let's just stop and think about this for a second. That's not Rand Paul. That's not some Republican. It's a respected scientist who is absolutely echoing the point that Rand Paul is making. So to treat Rand Paul as if he's this incredibly insane person who doesn't understand the basics of, of this argument is disingenuous by Fauci. He knows there's a huge part of the scientific community that looks at this the same way Rand Paul does to the extent that they actually banned this research from occurring. Okay. So what does the paper that he was uh, saying uh, talk about? I want to give you a, a, an extended quote here, but uh, here we go. 
Um, this approach must be, they're talking about the same paper that Rand Paul was holding, or excuse me, Fauci was holding up. He says, in addition to offering preparation against future emerging viruses, that's the hope here for this, this research, this approach must be considered in the context of U.S. government mandated pause on gain of function studies. So why are you considering that? Why, why would it need to be considered in that context if it was some crazy, bizarre argument? The paper itself is saying this is something we need to deal with. Moving on. Uh, thus, relative to, uh, and I give the whole technical uh, name of the virus that I won't bore you with, but it shows a gain in pathogenesis that is a, it makes it more dangerous for humans. Uh, scientific review panels may deem similar studies building uh, chimeric um, viruses based on circulating strains too risky to pursue, pursue as increased pathogenesis. I'm never going to get it. I'm never going to get that word. Uh, it's more, it's more, it's worse. <laughs> Increased danger for humans, let's call it that way, um, cannot be excluded. Okay, so they can't, they can't say for sure that it's not going to happen. It's not going to get worse for human beings. Uh, together, these data and restrictions represent a crossroads of gain-of-function research concerns. I mean, think of what they're saying there. It's a debate, obviously. The potential to prepare for and mitigate future outbreaks must be weighed against the risk of creating more dangerous pathogens. That's the debate that's, that's talked about in the paper. This is not... And they talk about it being gain-of-function research. The question is, is this over the line? We're talking about it in that context. So, yeah, was it gain-of-function? Sure. And, yes, it was made more dangerous in the paper. So what's the line they're trying to draw here? Is, it, is there anything? Basically, that they didn't reasonably believe that it would make the virus more dangerous. Even though it did. They didn't reasonably believe that it would, so therefore it's protected. Uh, that's really the defense. I mean, here's a scientist defending Fauci's point of view. Alina Shan, a molecular biologist and postdoctoral researcher at the Broad Institute of the Massachusetts, uh, Massachusetts Institute of Technology at, and Harvard, uh, said the Eco Health Wuhan uh, grant was testing naturally occurring SARS viruses without a reasonable expectation that the test would increase transmissibility or pathogenesis. Every every single quote has a stupid word in it. I'm not even going to attempt it anymore. Therefore, it is reasonable that they would have been excluded from the moratorium. So you got that basically. Hey, like since they weren't sure and didn't reasonably expect it to get worse, they weren't intentionally trying to make it worse. Quote unquote. Well, then it's probably excluded. Regardless, Fauci actually attached this paper to an email and the title of the document is literally in part SARS gain of function PDF. Now, some of this is semantics among scientists and government officials, but Fauci is exploiting that blurriness to the public to avoid taking responsibility for the spirit of the question. As Washington Post columnist Josh Rogan puts it in and hopefully didn't put that word in, in, his, in his tweet. Hey, guys. Rand Paul was right and Fauci was wrong. The NIH was funding gain-of-function research in Wuhan, but the NIH pretended it didn't meet their gain-of-function definition to avoid their own oversight mechanism. Sorry, not sorry, if that doesn't uh, fit your favorite narrative. So there you go. That's uh, dispute number one in the Fauci-Paul uh, saga. 
round two, dispute number two. Rand Paul says, basically, you guys funded this research in Wuhan. And Fauci says, no, we never did anything like that. I don't know what you're talking about. Once again, Fauci is playing semantics here. They didn't fund it directly. They didn't say like, hey, Bob, do some gain of function. Here's a wad of cash for you. They funded it through the EcoHealth Alliance. Now, if I'm banned at buying lunch at Taco Bell, which I'm pretty sure I am, at least by my wife, but instead I am like, well, I can't, I can't go to Taco Bell, um, but let me give 20 bucks uh, to my friend for gas, okay? Who, who then goes to Taco Bell and purchases 20 bucks of Taco Bell with an entirely different $20 bill. And then he gives the food to me as just a gift, which of course, all this is, is actually pretty accurate. It happens daily here. I am not technically buying lunch at Taco Bell, but I still paid 20 bucks to get Taco Bell in my belly. That's how this works. When Rand Paul tries to call Fauci out on all of this, Fauci basically admitted it. This is back in May. So do you still support sending money to the Wuhan Virology Institute? We do not send money now to the the Wuhan Virology Institute. Do you support sending money? We did, under your tutelage. We were sending it through EcoHealth. It was a sub-agency and a sub-grant. Do you support the money from NIH that was going to the Wuhan Institute? Let me explain to you why that was done. Let me explain to you why that was done. What is that? That was the funding and the EcoHealth Alliance, who then funded the Wuhan Institute of Virology to understand bat viruses, as Fauci went on to explain. All right, dispute number three, round three. Basically, Rand Paul says, you guys funded this type of research and this type of research may have caused this pandemic. Fauci says in his best Greta voice, how dare you? Okay, that's basically how that one works. Now, the truth on this one, is undetermined and of course it's important to note that senator paul is not actually saying the pandemic was definitely caused by a lab leak or even if it was a lab leak that this type of research caused it he is definitely strongly suggesting all of this is very possible and that it was uh i would say unacceptable uh, actions that could have led to something like this but he's not exactly saying he knows that for sure and there's a reason why anthony fauci spent the longest time on this part of the qu- of the claim he knows it's nearly impossible to prove and that we'll never have an answer most likely as to whether gain of function really caused this particular pandemic but was it risky behavior was was it banned for a time yeah look it's quite clear that paul and fauci hate each other I mean, they're both seething at this point on camera. This is all so politicized, so maybe that's all understandable. I don't know. But Fauci isn't even trying to understand Paul's questions honestly. And I'm sure Fauci would say Paul's questions aren't honest. Fine, whatever. But I will say this. We have literal quotes from these papers calling it gain of function. We have Fauci's emails calling it gain of function. Fauci has some winding line he's trying to draw here But isn't it time that like a journalist sat Fauci down and asked him these questions with these quotes, with these videos? I've noticed he occasionally doesn't mind being on television. Maybe ask him one of these questions. It's one thing to say, well, you know, look, some call it gain of function, but we don't think this fell under the banned research definition for these reasons. It's another to scream at a senator that he doesn't know what he's talking about. Fauci knows this debate is going on. He knows that it occurs. He knows it's been going on for a long time. Maybe the media isn't interested because 
well, I guess Donald Trump isn't involved. But Trump doesn't have to be the focus of every story. This is a crazy thought. If you really need him to be the focus here, to actually do your work as a journalist, let me present this to you. Remember, it was the Obama administration that put the ban on gain-of-function research into place. And it was the Trump administration that lifted it. So go ahead, blame Trump if you want. Remember, Fauci was part of that administration too. I don't care what you have to say to get yourself interested, but engage your mind a little bit. We need to have answers. We need to have accountability. We should all want the same things here. Let the chips fall where they may. Pathogenesis, pathogenesis, pathogen assist. Uh, I'm going to work on this one on the break. And by the end of the show, I'm going to be nailing that word. By the way, great news uh, uh, from Built Bar. Uh, they're one of the big Olympic sponsors, uh, USA track and field team. I will say the Built Bar guys were here today and somehow I missed them. I'm so bummed. Uh, they've basically, I mean, they don't care about meeting me. But yeah, there's a star in my family in the Built Bar world, which is my wife, who is one of the first... Built Bar ambassadors and actually have a mural of her up at the Built Bar building because she's told so many people to get Built Bars. Why? Well, she's healthy and she cares about that sort of stuff. You know, as you look, I just did about 20 minutes on Taco Bell. I mean, uh, you know, who, no one cares about my health, but she's really healthy. She loves Built Bars. Why? Well, because they're healthy and they actually taste good. They have incredible flavors. They're always coming out with new ones as well. 130 calories, I mean, 17 grams of protein. If you've ever had some of these energy bars, some of them are three and 400 calories and don't have 17 grams of protein in them. You can't beat the Built Bar uh, package. It's, they just do the whole thing better than everybody. Built.com is the place to go. Go to Built.com, use the promo code STU15, save 15% off your first order, get the mixed pack, put it in your fridge, chill them a little bit, Promo code is Stu15, 15% off at Built.com. It's Built.com. Promo code Stu15. Welcome back to the program. Jason Buttrell, the head writer and researcher of the Glenn Beck program right here uh, at The Blaze. Glenn's newest special airs tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern, immediately following this show. It's Marxist Methods, Debunking the Left's Lies About Critical Race Theory. You don't want to miss it, Jason. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, thanks for having me. We started the show with a little bit of Anthony Fauci versus Rand Paul. Rand Paul. And I find this battle to be, I mean, look, it's somewhat entertaining at some level. Uh, he, Rand Paul seems to be the only person who is able to ask difficult questions <laughs> of Anthony Fauci. But they clearly just despise each other at this point. <laughs> no, it's so great. Yeah. Um, you know, I, to me, Fauci's trying to have it both ways here. He's trying to act like... Uh, he is the authoritative source on everything science. But at the same time, he's trying to walk this sort of squishy line uh, and trying to give himself an out on mistakes he may have made. Yeah, and this press conference was in a clear contrast to me than the last one, the mm -hmm. first time these two guys went head to head. And in that press conference, the first one, Fauci straight up said, no, we did not fund uh, yep. you know, this research at this uh, lab, blah, 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 blah. Well, once that was thrown in his face, and once a few people actually started reporting on it a little bit, now you have this one to where he's saying, 
No, it wasn't just straight up. No, it wasn't. We didn't fund it to, well, this isn't really gain of function research, which is total bull crap. Yeah. You can look at the research papers to this day. You can look at them and they talk about gain of function research. That's all. That's the, what the entire thing is about. They'll go into detail how it's gain of function research. And at the bottom, and I'm thinking of two of these reports off the top of my head, at the bottom, and they're the acknowledgements, and these are peer reviewed and published mm -hmm. uh, papers, they'll say, we would like to thank the NIH for graciously funding <laughs> yeah. these projects, yeah. USAID, NIA, whatever it mm -hmm. is. Are you kidding me? This is not a debate. This guy is lying through his teeth, allegedly, uh, about this stuff. And it seems so obvious. Yeah, you know, it's hard to understand why. If, like, if you back this up for a second, I think there is a legitimate argument that gain-of-function research is valuable, right? Yeah, sure. It's not like this, it's not like, hey, let's try some experiments where we poison children and see what happens. Like, there's a defensible argument for gain-of-function. Yeah. It's bounced around scientific circles for a long time. Um, you, he could make that argument and say, look, I, we, don't know, we don't know what happened in Wuhan. We weren't there. But, you know, this, val this research is valuable. And if they screwed something up, it had nothing to do with us. Right. Like, that's a defensible argument. He's not taking it, though. And it feels like when, because he's not taking that, he's not just saying, like, look, we think this is a good thing, uh, and here's why, instead denying that it even occurred when there's so much evidence that it did occur, it seems as if he's hiding something. Right. It's, it's very defensible, just to come out saying it, if, it's defensible if you are a responsible doctor or scientist. Right. Well, meaning you follow all the safety protocols. Mm -hmm. um, you're not a bloodthirsty communist regime. Right. Um, things like that. Now, I mean, this kind of and this is where the scandal really, I think, is the whole point here and why I think he should be afraid. Is it, you know, why do companies go to China? Why does Apple go to China? Why does Nike go to China? Um, well, it's because they don't have to deal with those pesky regulations that mm -hmm. we have here. Um, they don't have to deal with that stuff like human rights, you know, over there. They'll just throw about 7,000 people into a closet-sized you know, sweatshop yeah. and pay them one cent every other <laughs> couple of months. <laughs> and they'll churn out a bunch of products. People will get rich. Um, but it's not exactly moral or humane. Um, that's why those companies do that. Well, I think in a very similar way, uh, back, what was it, 2014, 2013, 2014, um, there, was a lot of, there was a lot of lax safety uh, measures over here as well. So Obama put a moratorium on it. Well, there should have been no funding. There should have been no, none of that research going on here. Well, they made one exception to a lab in China. They let that uh, research and they let our tax dollars go to that one during that moratorium. They knew that they, their standards weren't at the par. Mm -hmm. They knew it. That is why people actually go there, because you can cut through a lot of the red tape and just get to work, churn things out fast. And that's exactly what people, this is what I think, that's exactly what people like Fauci, um, you know, what, what was that other uh, guy that worked for EcoHealth? Uh, uh, Barrick and, and uh, uh, um, yeah, Dasik. Dasik, Peter Dasik. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what they all knew. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, and speaking of Peter Dasik, it's hilarious. He was on C-SPAN, I think this was in 2016, we showed this on our show last week. And it's hilarious. They're like, you know, you have some people saying, well, we don't know exactly what was going on in the Wuhan lab. Then you have Peter Dasik on um, C-SPAN with that Dr. Lipkin guy standing right next to him going, yeah, so our colleagues in China are, you know, manipulating these things inside the virus to mm -hmm. see if they can, you know, skip to, skip to humans. 
gain-of-function research. Yeah. It's I mean, like, they're trying to be so technical with this definition. Like, I mean, and the distinction <laughs> is just ridiculous. Uh, it, it is, it's interesting to kind of watch them go through this, though. I mean, uh, you know, it's, it's like you watch, you watch, um, you know, I was talking to Matt Ridley, who's an author I like, and he wrote a book a couple years ago uh, that came out, I think it came out during the pandemic. So it was written in 2019. And he was talking about China and how um, China, uh, the, in some ways, it's actually easier to open up a business and run some new kind of business in China than it is in the United States. And what he was saying was, here in the United States, you, or Great Britain, you have a million different rules you have to do, a million different agencies you have to check boxes on. You have all sorts of oversight, all sorts of people watching what you do. In China, there is one necessary component of opening a business, which is being friendly with the Communist Party. Yeah. Outside of that, you can do whatever you want. They don't, as long as you're friendly with the Communist Party, as long as you pay off the right person, as long as you have the right relationships, you have all sorts of leeway on environmental rules and legal uh, actions and all of these other things. And that's the same thing that leads this research to go to China. We have restrictions here. We have eyeballs on you here. Throw that research over to China to a person who arguably was very respected in this field. Let them do it, even though we know they're doing it in a in a uh, containment facility that's maybe level two instead of level four. But we'll let it go. It's important. And I doubt anything bad is going to happen. I mean, there's a totally plausible uh, storyline here that that this type of research did lead to COVID-19 emerging in Wuhan. Yeah, I, it it seems like it's a uh, it seems like it's it's so much of a common sense uh, conclusion to make. It sounds ridiculous for them to be making any other, you know. <laughs> right. I mean, it's like literally where they say the virus sprung up, like that part. Yeah. It was 200 meters away from the lab. Yeah, that also <laughs> had the largest stockpile of coronaviruses in the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, and like you said, they were operating out of a bio level two safety standard. They do have a bio level four. But as it just came out a few months ago, they were doing many of these coronavirus uh, tests in biosafety, too. And the rules basically said you have to be, I think it's at least level three if you're using SARS or MERS. But any other coronavirus up until this, they were like, yeah, level two is fine. Which, again, you know, they keep using the same example, but it's like dentist office. Maybe some goggles, maybe a lab coat, uh, maybe a couple signs on the wall. Or, 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 a, or a stormtrooper mask, as, yeah. as you uh, yeah. showed on the show. <laughs> um, yeah, it, you know, what cracks me up is, you know, the, Fauci doesn't want to go in the direction of the lab at all. He doesn't want people to ask him about any of this gain-of-function research. All they want to say is, no, no, we're absolutely positive it came from a, an animal uh, and was, it is natural. Okay, why are you so positive about that? Because the Chinese have tested, what was it, over 30,000 different animals in China? Not one of them have tested positive for COVID. Not one. And MERS and SARS, they both found the host animal. They don't know what the host animal is. Yeah. They have no freaking clue. So how can you be so positive when they haven't even found in the a- in any animal at all? Not the animal, any animal with COVID. That's insane, yeah. but they're so positive. Don't look at gain of function. That says it all to me right there. And this is a huge problem with our media. Um, let me go to another big problem with our media as well. Um, uh, this case in Michigan is fascinating. Insane. Um, the, the narrative at the beginning of this was that a bunch of right-wing extremists were going to um, uh, kidnap the governor, Whitner, Whitmer of uh, Michigan, and either put her on trial in another state or imprison her or who God only knows what else. 
that narrative is falling apart for, and it's coming from strange sources. I mean, BuzzFeed is the yeah. one who seemingly, seemingly did the legwork on this. Can you walk us through the story? This is nuts. And before I even talk about the specifics of it, even in the BuzzFeed article, they say that, you know, because many of these uh, defendants are now saying they're going to use entrapment as their defense. But they say that that's rarely ever successful. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how it can't be successful in this case. So they found that I think it was 14 different FBI, either informants or actual agents, were involved, which sounds almost like more than the actual total number of people that, uh, mm. that weren't involved with the FBI. It seems like there's more informants and, and <laughs> no. actual agents. That, that should be this. a line you don't cross. That should be right? a line like, you don't cross. You shouldn't have more than the militia. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you have 85 agents and one militia member, that's <laughs> not really fair. Are you really considered a militia if you have one <laughs> yeah, that's guy? True. I don't know. That's a good point. <laughs> um, it's like plural, right? Yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, so they had one guy that was their main informant. And uh, he didn't like how like how they were talking. This was like back when they were uh, before the storming of the Michigan Capitol happened. He didn't like how they talked about how they were so hip on that. So he goes to the FBI. So he instantly goes not only as a, as a, as an actual informant. He goes on their payroll. I think they total the total number was over fifty thousand dollars that he received for them and a new car for his work with the FBI. But he was the one that was getting direct direction from the FBI when the, when the FBI said, hey, why don't you get your group to go bring this guy in? Because this guy is kind of crazy. So this guy did. They never would have met the other guys if it wouldn't have been for the FBI getting them together. They played matchmaker. He, they played matchmaker. Terrorist matchmaker. So this would have never happened without the FBI's involvement. It just wouldn't. And like I, you know, every... Every uh, show you watch on every dark drama has this storyline where the police come in and they entrap some, you know, some helpless kid. I mean, BuzzFeed reported on this largely because they had the same opinion of Islamic extremism, right? Like that they were like, you know, snapping up these like sort of helpless, like, you know, easily uh, gullible sort of like teenagers into, you know, uh, terrorist groups and then calling them terrorists and taking their big victory lap afterward. That's why they were into it. There are times where I'm not particularly um, sympathetic to that argument and that like I don't think I hope not I don't think of there's anybody who could come to me and make an argument hey look I'm gonna connect you with these guys and let me talk you into terrorism like no I'm not doing it that's not everybody I understand that um, this case though does seem to be they went to extreme lengths to bring these guys along almost grooming them to come up with an attack and then turning the tables on them immediately after it. Yeah, I mean, it went as far as, and you read the full article? Yeah. It, it went as far as the main informant, while I think while they were driving, doing the surveillance of like the property, mm -hmm. saying, and I can't, it's not a direct quote, but saying, if you aren't here to kidnap the governor, if you yeah. have a problem with kidnapping, get out of the car or get out of the <laughs> militia. Right. I mean, this is the main informant being directed by the FBI. You no, know, talking you to mean, the flower, I'm wearing Yeah, talking to the flower. <laughs> I mean, and, and almost directly after that, two of the militia members were like, man, screw this, we're going home. Yeah. And they, one guy actually moved out of, the, out of the state and went somewhere else. So he wasn't even a part of it. He still got indicted. Yeah. I don't, I mean, they're talking about uh, <laughs> other groups from outside the state were also involved that got indicted. One of them that didn't for this specific part was one of their main informants and had been an informant for like over like over a period of several years. I mean, 
I don't know. Like, I don't. It seems like you could easily make an enta- a, a case for entrapment just on the bare fact of when, that. The, just think about that. They would never have met each other. They never would have made the plans. They would never would have trained together. None of this would have happened if not for the FBI's involvement. This is like That's... a really bad episode of the Chris Hansen show where he has like the the teen the, the the old men come over to hook up with the teenagers and he offers some cookies. What was that called? To catch a predator. Catch a predator. Yeah. Catch a predator. Except like and they, that was the same defense they would use, right? They'd be like, "Well, I would never. I mean, I was I knew I wasn't going to really hook up with a teenager. I just that's I just came over here to warn the parents." Like they'd always have some dumb excuse, but their legal defense would almost always be entrapment. And it is hard to prove. I think in some of those cases, you know, they had probably a, a legitimate case. It's it's a tough line because I do understand why. I mean, police don't want to wait until the, the bullets start flying or Gretchen Whitmer is in the trunk of a car before they start acting. On the other hand, though, you can't just create these. This You can't create a play that you want. You're essentially doing a musical of a terrorist attack and, and, and controlling all the pieces like a director and the other side come out as as uh, as the hero. I mean, right. I, I don't think that's the right way to, to do this. No, um, not at all. I mean, we, sh- we should definitely be afraid of what the FBI, are wary of where, what the direction the FBI is going yeah. in. Um, the way they're using FISA, for instance, they're still using FISA, despite the fact the revelations that came out from the Carter Page thing. Um, no matter what you think about Carter Page, what they did to him was straight criminal and against the Constitution. Yeah, I think you're right on that. I, I don't think I necessarily thought that on day one, but I mean, when you really see the evidence on that one, they went way too far with that. Oh my gosh! And yeah. then there was there was absolutely no you know comeuppance from that at all. That there was an FBI agent that doctored an email, yeah. altered evidence. That's on un- oh, completely. He got a slap on the wrist. Way That's over the it. line. Ridiculous. He gets his law license back, I think, next year or something like that. So, I mean, it's, they don't care. They're going to continue to do this. That was a green light to anybody that wants to continue to falsify mm. evidence for the FBI. Things are spinning out of control. They've got to get a handle of this because everything is being weaponized now by the federal government. And we just be, we happen to be on the, on the bad end of it at this point where they're trying to turn every single conservative, in, in my opinion, into, you know, lump us in, in with the crazies. And things with the, the, this plot, uh, January 6th, all that stuff is being brought together to say, look at all these crazy white people, all these crazy white, uh, right-wing extremists. Um, we have to devote all of our attention on them because they're the most dangerous thing in the country right now. Mm. Uh, it's insane. It really is. Uh, Jason Buttrell, head writer and researcher for all the Glenn Beck programs. Uh, be sure to catch the new special tonight, right after this show. Marxist methods debunking the left's lies about critical race theory should be a great one. Jason, thanks so much for coming on the program. Thanks a lot. Uh, well, the U.S. life expectancy fell by one and a half years in 2020. That doesn't sound like a lot. I mean, unless you really understand how these numbers work, that's a huge drop in a year. In fact, it's the biggest since World War II. Um, 74% of that decline came from COVID-19. Not a huge surprise there, of course. Uh, the drop was worse among uh, black and Hispanic communities. Uh, African-Americans, a 2.9 year drop. And the biggest one was actually among Hispanics, 3.7 uh, years among Hispanic men, 90% of that uh, due to COVID-19. Uh, not, not, not fun. Not, not a good, not good, not good. This, I, I want this to go away so badly. Well, anyway, tomorrow we may need to get into the sort of, you know, the remasking, the threats of new lockdowns. We may need to get into that tomorrow. Should you be worried about that? Is it going to happen is it justified? We'll get into that tomorrow. Um, Bitcoin is down a little bit. I mean, it's been it's down a lot from its highs. Uh, it's down uh, what, 
something like 50% from its highs, down around 30,000 now. One of the things that's interesting about this is this all started when basically Elon Musk was like, hey, did you know it's really bad for the environment? Something that's been debunked a million times. He blurts that out. Tesla stops taking Bitcoin. Uh, and that was the start. Now, look, if one man can control your currency, then you don't have a very good currency. So, I mean, I can't blame it all on Elon Musk, but he's kind of the guy who started this this downward movement in crypto. And it's funny because now he's lost all of his gains from when he bought uh, um, Bitcoin at 40 or at uh, what was it? What did he buy it at 32,000 um, when Tesla bought a bunch of it, actually bought uh, 46,000 coins. So they got a lot of Bitcoin over at uh, Tesla right now. Not loving that so much, but, you know, I think they're pretty bullish on it as well. Uh, not nearly as bullish at, on LeBron James. You know, last night, a real MVP of the league, uh, Giannis, uh, took the championship. Congratulations to Milwaukee Bucks and their fans. I think a legit team winning a title. Uh, they had the best record in the league last year, and it was nice to see them win and not the Lakers. Uh, you know, though, I have nothing against the Suns. They did a pretty good job this year as well. Uh, but the original Space Jam director, has come out. Joe Pitka, he's a guy who was really well known back in the 80s and 90s, did a lot of big commercials and obviously Space Jam, which was a huge movie. Uh, he tried to watch the new Space Jam and he couldn't get through it in one sitting. It was so bad. He said it took him five separate sessions to complete the movie. Uh, he says it, you know, this, you know, his original Space Jam made in 1996. Um, it's important to note that MJ wasn't just the best basketball player, he was the biggest celebrity in the world. He says, LeBron's an incredible athlete. We can fight about that later. And a very good actor. Again, we can fight about that later. But adds, quote, the truth is that LeBron ain't Michael. <laughs> In every single way, that is true. In every way. By the way, we have a t-shirt. It says, don't be an idiot. Don't be a LeBron. You should buy it. Uh, and put it in his face. And also we have mugs, by the way. The mugs, and this is my Santifa Claus mug, which, by the way, is available uh, for Christmas in July. Uh, available at uh, studosmerch.com. But the LeBron one says, don't be an idiot on one side of the mug. And then you turn it around and it says, don't be a LeBron. So you kind of, it's like, I, I kind of, I can't wait for the mug to come in. I'm going to show it to you because I think you'll like it. Uh, and one more story here. This, this one is unacceptable. But there were a freaking lot, okay, over the past year and a half. We've got the U.S. life expectancy dropping by the most since World War II. And I don't know if you remember World War II. It wasn't good. A lot of people died. Really bad thing, generally speaking. A lot of young people dying. This was a lot of older people dying, but really bad. And we've had a really tough time over the past year and a half. And then we get this. Taco Bell's menu has been hit by nationwide shortages of ingredients. Meaning you might go into Taco Bell and not get the thing that you want. No. No, you're not doing this world. No, no more. Stop it. Stop it with your viruses. Stop it with your Taco Bell menu items going away. No more. I've had enough. Stop it. Yes, the pandemic. Sure, the race riots all over the country. But when I'm drawing the line at Taco Bell. Everything stays on that menu. Back in a second. Just so you know, this show is free every single day on YouTube, where it costs as much as it's worth. 
and we do appreciate you checking it out on YouTube every day. By the way, you can comment all the time on the show as it's going. Let me give you a couple from yesterday's program. Uh, when Stu does inflation, that's what we did yesterday, you know the Biden administration has arrived in full force. I love this stupid show. Five stars. Thank you very much. I don't know if that counts. But I mean, I, I love it anyway. Um, how about this one? I left legacy news outlets a while ago. They've lost credibility. I seek other sources. Hence, and I like when you, whenever you can work the word hence into a comment, I love it. I'm here watching Stu, watching the Daily Wire, et cetera, et cetera. And it's crazy where we now have the government in collusion with big tech openly trying to censor. That is an absolutely incredible uh, development. Don't forget to rate and review the program as well. Five stars is the appropriate number of stars. Uh, we have this. I love this stupid show. Five freaking stars. What else can I say? Love how you bring everyone back down to earth with your nerdy numbers and charts. Keep up the great work, sir. Thank you very much. Five freaking stars. And it's great. Whatever. I like this stupid show. It has the appropriate amount of information and humor. So five stars is the appropriate number of stars. Thank you so much for your ratings and reviews. And remember, when you review this program, you're not only helping us, you're hurting others. And that's the most important thing. A couple of developments today that I honestly don't want to even update you on, but I'm going to anyway. So in a very predictable fashion, Pelosi asked the Republicans to put some people, some congressmen on the committee to investigate January 6th. The Republicans obliged and gave some names and they rejected some of the names. Uh, Jim Jordan is one of them. Jim Banks is another. Rejected those names. Now McCarthy has pulled all the Republicans from the actual committee. In like, I, it just feels like theater, doesn't it? I mean, I don't think there was ever any other outcome. Uh, now Republicans are going to do their own committee, uh, apparently. I just feel like people are just still so obsessed with Donald Trump. They can't get past this in the media. They can't get past this. The Democrats, they just can't bring themselves to do it. Uh, now a lawmaker is bringing a bill to prevent Donald Trump from becoming unelected Speaker of the House. What? A Democratic congressman is doing this. And here's the thing. If you, to be Speaker of the House, you don't actually have to be a congressman. You can be just, they can put anybody as Speaker of the House. And the theory here is, I guess, Republicans are somehow going to get control of the House, name Donald Trump Speaker of the House, and then he's third in line for the presidency. Oh, all sorts of craziness goes off. Chaos ensues from there. The chances of this happening are basically zero. However, this is where the my I told you the other day, Chris Cuomo started his show with like eight straight stories about Donald Trump. Guy isn't president. The, the, his party has no power. And that's still the state of affairs in this country. It's amazing, but he's in everybody's head to this day. OK, are you ready? Pathogenicity. Did I do it? Pathogenicity. Yes! Pathogenicity! 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 Pathogenicity. There you go. I did it, everybody. Thank you very much, and I will be uh, taking your donations at the door. By the way, speaking of your donations, uh, go to studosmerch.com. There, you will find merch to buy. Why should you buy it? Capitalism. Why should you buy it? Because I said pathogenicity correctly several times in a row. And that's like a magic trick in my world. So thank you very much. Go to studosmerch.com. Buy the stuff. I appreciate it. Capitalism. Okay, before we go, teen driver going down the road. Squirrel runs out in front of the road. Mad squirrel in front of the road, uh, in front of the car. Driver swerves, crashes into, 
Abraham Lincoln's house, obviously. Uh, this, this is not good. I don't know how big this squirrel is because he's... Dryer got pretty deep into the house. I'm not sure that I believe a squirrel could have caused that exactly, but, you know, these teens and their TikTok, probably what was going on. I mean, now everyone is mad at the teenager uh, that put their car through Honest Abe's lovely front bay window. But did anyone ever think and pause that maybe that squirrel went on to end squirrel slavery? Maybe redefine squirrel morality for ages to come. Maybe, sadly, later assassinated in a squirrel theater by a fake squirrel actor. Mm. No one thought about that, did they? But like it or not, this is the way it works. Squirrel history is written by the squirrel survivors. Thankfully, he was not.